We all have bucket lists. As a lifelong sports fan, mine is full of tons of different sporting events and venues, from the NBA, NFL, Olympics, and beyond. However, my greatest bucket list item is something I want to share with the world and fans like me. What if you could attend a home college football game for all 130 and counting FBS programs? Seems crazy, right? Join me, your host, Bobby Wilson, as I take you along for the ride to see all the FBS venues and more. This is the TNT College Football Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the very next episode of the TNT College Football Podcast. I'm your host, Bobby Wilson. Glad to be back on. Hope everybody's doing well. Uh, For this episode, I am really privileged to have on the show Austin Reed. And Austin is currently the quarterback at uh, Western Kentucky University. Austin, thank you for joining me. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. I'm I'm excited to be here. Your story um, rising through the ranks from high school to where you are now is pretty amazing. And uh, I guess we could, we'll just start, like, where'd you get your start with football and to love, to love the game the way that you do? Um, yeah, you know, it really started just, you know, my family, uh, both my parents grew up in Fort Lauderdale and I grew up in, in North Florida in St. Augustine and, you know, if you're from Florida, you love football, you know, it's kind of a staple down here in the state of Florida, especially like down in the South, you know, football, such a, such King. So, you know, it was never really a question. I always had a basketball or football in my hand and growing up, I always played both and eventually I kind of just became more of a football player and that was kind of what I was better at than I was basketball. But yeah, you know, just growing up here with my parents and their influence, you know, it was always just football, just always a main, main thing in our lives. Absolutely. Were were your parents athletes? Yeah. So my dad played football and he, he was a football guy in college and walked on at UCF and played there for a little bit. But Mom, the mom, my mom wasn't really that much mad. She was a cheerleader, so I'll give her that. But she, there wasn't, there's not, my dad was really athletic when he was younger and stuff like that, but not, not really like notable athletic genes in the family necessarily. It's always interesting to see how that kind of works. Like to see, <clears throat> just to see where, where people get their, their love for the game and just uh, like in your case with your dad. Right. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. They're there who introduced it to me, especially my dad, and so that's kind of where I got it from. When did you start playing? Uh, I mean, well, I've always I played football since, I mean, as far back as I can remember. I, I started playing flag football when I was four, uh, and I played flag football from four until eventually when I was seven years old, I was able to convince my parents to let me play tackle football for the St. Augustine Saints, and that was a long process of convincing my mom and my dad to let me play tackle and that I was ready for it and I'm thankful that I did I'm thankful I got into tackle football so early so I've ever since then I played I think this year is it going to be year 16 of tackle football so lots and lots of years of doing this absolutely uh, have you always played quarterback um growing up I was more of like a defensive guy uh growing up I played like linebacker and I played defensive end and I was a little bit of like a heavier kid growing up, kind of a fat kid. Uh, and then in middle school, uh, I transitioned to quarterback like seventh, eighth grade year. And I always had like a naturally strong arm. And But I always loved contact and I loved hitting. So I always played defense at the same time. And then as I got to high school, I kind of realized, all right, quarterback was what I was going to be good at. This is what I was going to do. And been there ever since. 
I don't feel like there's too many quarterbacks that have that type of background. That's awesome. Yes, sir. Yeah, no, it helps for sure with running the ball and stuff like that. I feel like it's kind of carried over, and it's it's kind of made me kind of the physical guy that I am. That helps today, that's for sure. No doubt. So coming out of high school, your senior year, you threw for nearly 3,000 yards. You had 37 total touchdowns. Uh, what made you uh, decide to uh, go to Southern Illinois out of out of high school? Yeah, I mean, I was I was a really under recruited kid, but uh, the major part of that was due to the fact that I didn't play until my senior year. So I didn't start. Uh, there was a kid who had started as a freshman uh, when I was in eighth grade, and he was a good player, and so he started on varsity for four years. And so I kind of was just kind of behind the eight ball on all that, and you know, recruiting especially at the quarterback position. A lot of times FBS schools kind of have their guy mm-hmm. uh, by junior year. And so, especially in this day and age with the portal, but um, back then, back then even, uh, you know, a lot of times by their like players junior years or going into their senior year, you had a lot of the FBS schools already had their quarterback. So we're all behind the eight ball with that. But eventually I started getting a lot of FCS interest and uh, had a really good relationship with the, Offense coordinator at the time, John Van Dam at SIU, and really believed in what he was doing there on the offensive side, and believed in what Coach Hill was doing there for West for Southern Illinois. And so, I loved the I loved what it had to offer, and I loved the direction it was going. And so, ultimately, it led me to decide to to and to to sign there and, and go there. And I signed in the early signing period. Gotcha. Uh, I myself, I I live in Illinois. And I almost went to Southern Illinois to to be a part of the basketball team too. So I thought that was really cool that there was a parallel there. I just thought that was kind of interesting how a guy from Florida like yourself ends up at SIU. Right. Yeah, they were recruiting Florida heavily uh, at this time. I think for like three or four draft or three or four recruiting cycles, they had brought in at least five or six Florida guys. So it was a recruiting hotbed for them for for a certain period, and ultimately ended up there. Nice. So you redshirted there, and then uh, you left. You chose uh, Division Two West Florida. What brought about that decision? Uh, ultimately, you know, there's a, there a combination of things. Uh, you know, Coach Van Dam, that offensive coordinator, had taken another job uh, right before I went to Southern Illinois, and that hurt because I had built a great relationship with him. And ultimately, you know, I was like, all right, let's still go to SIU. Let's just give it everything I got, and I did, and for a year I really tried to make the most of it and enjoy it. And ultimately I got to a point in place where I, I hated going to football and I hated practice and I hated football in whole. And I've never hated football. I've always loved it more than anything else in the world. And so I kind of knew when that, when, that, when that part came on that it was, uh, it was one of those things that it was like, okay, I need to, I need to make a change. I need to do something different. And Ultimately, that's when I decided, I was like, all right, if I hate football, I'm not enjoying it. I decided to enter the portal and see what was out there. And, you know, with no film from an FCS school and the portal being much different back in 2019 than it is today, you know, there was a chance that, hey, I enter this portal and there's nothing out there for me and my career is done or I have to go junior college. And so, thankfully, I had plenty of opportunities and West Florida the opportunity to go to West Florida came along and I could tell what they were building there. I could tell what kind of a special place it was, you know, 2017, they had made the national championship in only their second year. You know, coach Shinnick was already building a program there. 
Caleb Nobles, the offense coordinator, I felt like it was really like a young offensive mind with a lot of potential. And I saw that opportunity. I saw being closer to home and I, I, I saw a great opportunity. I don't know if I saw at the time what we ended up accomplishing being possible. And thankfully we did, but yeah, I just saw the great opportunity that it was and ultimately decided I'm going to go give this thing a shot. And like you were hinting to what you accomplished was amazing. I mean, your freshman year, 2019, you were awarded D2 national freshman of the year. You threw for over 4,000 yards. I mean, what, what did you expect coming into year one there? Yeah, I don't, I'm not sure. You know, I, I knew we had a good team. And, you know, I, we had a we had a lot of players that I looked at, and I was like, you know, these guys could have played at the school I was previously at. And so I knew we had a really good team. And obviously in 2017, they had gone to the national championship and lost to A&M Commerce. And in 18, uh, they went like 6-5, and five, but, you know, a lot, of, a lot of injury at the quarterback position. And so I knew we had a chance to be pretty good. You know, for me, I was just worried about trying to honestly do enough to be like confirmed as the starter for years for the next year or two to come, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and eventually we, we, we lost our first game and then we won six straight. I was like, all right, we might, we might be onto something here. Went into Valdosta and Valdosta was defending national champs and we're on like a 23 game win streak. And we lost to them by two, had a, had a chance to go win the game and we dropped the pass on fourth down on their 20. So, Ultimately, I was sitting there and I'm like, "Hey, we're we're a really good team." And from there, you know, we went on a run of six straight wins. Uh, you know, last two regular game season games or seven straight wins. You know, last two regular season games and then five straight in the playoffs and just accomplished an unbelievable feat. You know, we beat four undefeated teams. Uh, all five teams were ranked in the top fourteen. You know, three number one seeds. So it was it was incredible. I really didn't can't even put into words how it happened. Yeah, looking at doing research into that 2019 playoffs, just looking at the teams that you beat, that was pretty remarkable. I mean, you you listed it off right there. I I myself was a D2 athlete, so I I I love the story of you making it in the D2 ranks and doing what you did. But I, I'm even more excited when I saw that you beat Ferris State University, who was my rival in college. So. Yeah, <laughs> they uh. That was that was awesome for us. You know, it's it's our it's kind of ironic that you know you went to Grand Valley, and when we flew into uh, Cedar Rapids, we practiced at Grand Valley like on Friday. Did like our walkthrough at Grand Valley in that stadium, and obviously it's extremely nice and all that. You know, it's it's pretty pretty nice stadium to be in. But we did our walkthrough at Grand Valley, and then drove to Big Rapids, and obviously ended up playing Ferris and, and beating them and. Yeah, I think it's the last time they've lost a game, if I'm not wrong, you know, because they won the 2021 yeah, and yeah. the 2022 national championship. So I think it's the last time they lost a game was to us. And obviously a really good program. And, you know, I've played Big Ten teams. I played Indiana. Uh, and the front seven on Ferris was as was as talented as Indiana's front seven. It was one of the best front sevens I've seen, D2 or D1. And so... There's a lot of talent at that level, and sometimes it gets overlooked. But you know, I feel like we beat some really good teams on our way to win that national championship. Did you ex- did you exceed your own expectations while you were at West Florida? Yeah, you know, I think obviously, you know, I 
I felt like I was a, you know, I, in my career, I, I, I feel like I've always kind of overexceeded, uh, really expectations for myself put on by other people. Uh, you know, I didn't, didn't start until my senior year in, in St. Augustine and, you know, didn't have a high, wasn't a high profile player. And in our senior year, we have the best year St. Augustine had, had in 10 years. And we go to state semifinals and win state player of the year. And, you know, then when you go to SIU and you, you ride the bench again and you're fifth on the depth chart, you're sitting there and you're thinking, you know, was, was my one good year at St. Augustine just a fluke? You know, was it just a, you know, Norm, you were the backup until you were a senior. You were the guy who didn't play a lot. Like, all right, yeah, you had a good year, but are you really, like, that talented of a player? Or did you just have one good year? And now it's back to being the guy who doesn't play. And so going to West Florida, you know, I was just trying to find a way onto the field, try to find a way to be productive in college and have a good college experience and be able to say, hey, I played college football. And I played a little bit and I was a pretty good player. And that really was the only expectations I had. And I said, hey, let's just make the most of this West Florida thing. This is your second chance at college football. And hopefully you can walk away with some good memories. But I don't know if I ever thought I'd get to the level of just being that elite of a player and being mentioned as one of the better Division II quarterbacks and then eventually having the success I had in the two years there. So it's definitely been a blessing and something I don't know if I necessarily prepared for. I've always been confident in my ability, but it's definitely been a blessing that's been unexpected and someone I've been thankful for. Needless to say, you were ready when you got your opportunity. Yes, sir. Yeah, you know, it was one of those things where uh, the first game they told us that both of us were going to get to play a little bit, and eventually uh, the coaching staff saw what they liked and what I was doing in the first game, and I played the rest of the first game and then started every game from there on. And thankful that they took a chance on a 19-year-old kid who ran the offense averagely and made mistakes along the way and they stuck through it with me we we've already said that you went on to win the d2 national championship what was that experience like oh it was crazy uh you know it was was an awesome experience you know you play in mckinney texas and you know you it's a week-long thing you get there on like tuesday night and it's the longest it's the longest three days of your life wednesday (laughs) thursday friday waiting for that game you know, you're just like, oh, my God, I just want it to be a Saturday already. And it's a lot like a, like a high-level bowl experience, you know, playing in the New Orleans Bowl last this last year. Uh, it felt like that, but even more playing national championship with how long it will you like your anticipation and the magnitude of the game feels a little different. But it was a really good time. Uh, amazing. You know, obviously, again, just was trying to go out there and win the game. Uh, didn't think I'd have the game I would have. and. You know, our receivers were really on point that day, and they were making a lot of really good plays and getting open. It made my job super easy, and ultimately we got the win, and that's the best thing for it. But, again, one of those things, I don't know if I expected it to be that great of a day and one that will probably always be associated with myself, and it's one that I'm super thankful for and I enjoyed a lot. Absolutely. And in that championship game, you threw for 523 yards and six touchdowns. It, it seems like everything was clicking that day for you. Yeah, it was, it was just kind of one of those days, you know, a lot of times, like, you know, quarterbacks know this is what you, like, you go into this just unconscious mode, and if you're, like, a three-point shooter in basketball, it's the same thing, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, it seems like everything you do just is working, and everything's, like, going right, and every throw is going exactly where you want it to, and you just go into this unconscious mode of just nothing matters else out on the field, and your throws are just hitting, and I 
thankfully had one of those days on one of the bigger days of my career and it thankfully catapulted my career into another stratosphere that I wasn't expecting it to go into after that. I like how you use the analogy of like the three point shooter and everything. Just you're just unconscious. I've been there as an athlete where it just seems like everything you're doing is going right. Can you kind of like explain that feeling? It's kind of like an out of body experience is the best way I can put it. It really is. Um, you know, I don't, I have, I have a very great recall. I really like to think that I remember a lot of the things I do on a field and there's a lot of things that I can just remember the exact play and, exactly when it happened and what was going on on the field and the national championship is one of the few games that if you ask me to recall what happened I can't tell you like I just don't remember moments happening I don't remember plays I watch highlights and I kind of get a little bit of a visual in my head of like oh this is what happened but when you go into that mode where everything's working and you go into that mode where you just and you you just like you you're sitting there and you're everything's hitting like I don't have many memories from the game because you just go so unconscious and black out and just play so well that that's how it felt for me personally. And that's, I don't know how other people have it feel, but that's for me, it's something where literally your mind just goes blank. And I don't remember much from that day, to be honest. I remember bits and pieces of the game and I remember celebrating after, but it's really kind of crazy what the mind does when it takes over. That it's, that's the truth right there. <laughs> so, in 2022, you transferred to Western Kentucky, and you're you're following uh, Bailey Zappi's record-breaking 2021 season. What made you choose Western Kentucky, and what were your kind of your expectations entering the year? Yeah, you know, obviously, the, what you just said was one of the bigger reasons. Um, you know, Bailey obviously had the success he had, and you know, Bailey had transferred up from Houston Baptist, or what is Houston Christian now, but. Um, from Houston Baptist and had the success he had with Kitley and, and Helton. And, you know, Coach Helton was pretty clear to me, like, hey, you're a small school guy that obviously already has a reputation for throwing the ball all around the yard. Um, this is the kind of offense you are built for and that you want to be in. And we have the recipe for a small school guy jumping up and being successful. He's like, you're going to have a lot of other coaches that are going to tell you this is how they're going to do this, how they're going to do it. And we are – the blueprint for a small school guy jumping up elevated himself and then he became a fourth round draft pick and you know I saw that and I was I believed in it I believed in coach Helton and I could tell coach Helton was a man of his word and you know I went to a practice on an on an official visit and I just watched the guys flying around I I said this team's special this team has a chance to be really good this is an elite group of guys and you know it's going to be a little bit tougher of a situation than a couple other situations I had you know there was a couple other situations where I was like hey you're going to walk in and you're probably going to just be the starter uh, you know you're going to have to win the job obviously but it's you're the front runner whereas with Western it was going to be a true quarterback competition between myself and and Jared Dagey at the time and it was hey like you're going to come in and you're probably going to be at two when you get here behind him and as time goes on, by the time we get to fall camp, then you guys are going to be competing against each other. But this is going to be hard. You're not going to be handed anything. He's already two steps ahead of you. You're going to have to come in and take this job. And ultimately, you know, the reason I entered the portal is I wanted to further my career and I wanted to challenge myself. And I felt like I was getting comfortable at West Florida. And I felt like it was one of those things where I was like, hey, you said you wanted to challenge yourself. You said you wanted to go through the ringer. Like, this is 
as tough as it's going to be. You got a power five quarterback, guys, the active leader in passing yards in college football. Like you're going to have to beat somebody out. Like this, if you think you're that dude and you want to play in the NFL, you know how you got to know how to win a quarterback battle. And so ultimately, I said, you know what? Like I'm going to bet on myself and I'm going to take this chance. And ultimately, just decided to go to Western. And it worked out tremendously, to say the least. Yeah, I did. I, you know, I would, I would, I would say that it was definitely very difficult. Uh, there's a lot of things that my girlfriend definitely, for sure, knows because I would call her every day and complain to her about something new. But uh, she definitely knows. My parents definitely know about how it was definitely much harder than some people on the surface would understand, and how that quarterback battle really was very mentally draining, and it was tough, and it was a true five-month-long quarterback competition and every single aspect of every single day. And one that ultimately, you know, I'm, I'm thankful again that the coaches felt that they trusted me more. And uh, Jarrett was an awesome quarterback and a phenomenal player. And it could have probably, team would have been probably been successful with him as well. And, you know, the, he pushed me super hard. And I feel like a lot of the success I had this past year was a huge part to him and the competition we had. And so... Ultimately, it worked out and and was given the starting role and ultimately feel like we had a pretty successful year. You know, I feel like we left a little meat on the bone and could have been even a little bit better offensively and as a team as a whole. But overall, definitely a blessed year for sure. Absolutely. In that amazing year, you led, you led the nation in passing with 4,744 yards and you added 40 touchdown passes. What, what, do, you, what do you do for an encore? Yeah, you know, it's kind of crazy because, you know, finishing north of 4,700 and we had 40 touchdowns passing, eight rushing. And, you know, I still feel like we left so much meat on the bone offensively. Uh, you know, you watch a couple games and whether it's the UAB game, you know, we beat them 2017 and only finished. And numbers don't matter necessarily, but just as a reflection of how well we could have played on offense, you know, finished that game with only 150 passing. Uh, middle Tennessee, we win by 18, but, you know, we feel like we played pretty poorly on offense. And then, obviously, very poor game against North Texas. Uh, felt like we could have won very close games that we had against UTSA where we're driving to win and we don't convert. Troy where we're driving to win and we don't convert. Indiana where we miss a field goal as time expires and ultimately lose in overtime. Uh, and, you know, we felt like there was – opportunity there to be even better on offense and be better as a team and you know really the, the goal this year in my my mind and I don't know where other, other guys minds is, is most importantly win the conference you know I think Western's due to win conference USA I haven't won it since 2015 if I'm not wrong and I think it's it's Western's time 2015 or 2016 one of those two I think it's Western's time to finally win the conference again and after we do that hopefully win enough games on our schedule to be considered for a New Year's Six because I feel like we're that good. I feel like if we put up the numbers we should offensively, it would be a show worth putting on a New Year's Six platform. And ultimately, I think if we do those two things, the numbers and all that other stuff will take care of itself. And I mean, I'm not going to be oblivious or be that guy that says he doesn't care. Like, I, I enjoy leading the country in passing. I'd be lying if I said I didn't. You know, I, I enjoy having that stat attached to my name and I enjoy throwing for a lot of yards, and I think that's a. I think that's a. I feel like that's just a, a result of the success we'll have on on the on the field and 
Coach Helm says all the time, you know, team success leads to individual attention and success. And, you know, we're going to have, if we're successful, we're going to have myself in the, in the, in, in the media, we're going to have Malachi Corley, Mike Matheson, you know, Dalvin Smith, Blue Smith, Jimmy Holiday, all these guys on our offense. Your name's going to be out there and be getting attention if we have team success first. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, I think that should be our, our biggest goal going into the year, you know. <clears throat> what are your, what's your thoughts on the New Look Conference USA? No, I think, you know, a lot of people, if you don't know college football, would say, you know, we lost UTSA, FAU, um, Charlotte, North Texas, and UAB, and I'm missing one more, but I just can't come to my head, but a lot of people would see that and then see the teams we replaced it with and feel like it's significantly weaker, and I promise you, if you put on the tape, there's some really good teams. First off, you're going to add Liberty. Mm-hmm. And Liberty went down to Arkansas and whipped the crap out of those dudes last year. And that's a really, really good team that's going to be added in the conference. If you turn on the tape, New Mexico State is a really good football team. Mm-hmm. They won five straight at the end of the year, won a bowl game. If you turn on the tape, Jacksonville State has dudes on the field. They have former SEC guys and former Power 5 guys everywhere on the field. They're an extremely talented team. Probably going to be one of the best, most beautiful-looking football teams you'll see this year. And, you know, I think La Tech can be a really good team on offense and the the transfers they've got. UTEP can be a good team. I think Middle Tennessee has their good years, and they can be a good team. You know, I think FIU is on their way up with their new coach, and FIU used to be a team that could win eight, nine games, and so – you know, the overreaction out of people is to think the conference isn't very good, but I think there's plenty of – Sam Houston won the FCS two, three years ago. You know, this is a conference that I think is going to have a lot of – it's going to surprise people at how good these teams are because, you know, they're – when you get in a group of five – when you – some of these low-level group of fives compared to high-level FCS, there's not much of a margin. And I feel like there's still a bunch of teams in there that we're going to have to strap up on – Saturdays, Tuesdays, Thursdays, whatever it is with this new schedule, and be ready to go. I love hearing you say that about the conference just because I don't agree with the bad rap that it's getting early on, and I absolutely agree with you that it's going to be good football. Absolutely. I mean, two years ago, Jacksonville State beats FSU. Mm-hmm. I, it's, it's there. If you turn on the tape, I, I we watched a little of New Mexico State and Jacksonville State specifically in like February, and I was like, oh, Wow, there's some dudes on this field, and 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 people need people if they look past the names of a school mm-hmm. and look at some of the dudes on this on the team, they'll they'll realize there's really good football there. Absolutely, I couldn't agree more with you. What are your thoughts about playing those midweek games? How, how does that? How do you kind of prepare for that? Uh, you know, it's obviously going to be pretty different. Um, you know, at first you're a little bit skeptical of it, and you're thinking, you know, is this going to hurt you know in terms of crowd attendance and is this going to hurt in terms of preparation and all those different things but you know i feel like if you want to play in the nfl you you have to be extremely good at adapting to your situation uh you know those know that evolve and those those that are adaptable in the nfl are the ones that survive and so i feel like being able to adapt to playing on tuesdays playing on thursdays and playing on saturday shows those NFL scouts that you in any situation can get ready to play and that you're a 
you're a professional about how you handle things and ultimately playing on Tuesdays and Thursdays we're going to be on ESPN and ESPN2 for those games and you know that's an amazing opportunity to also showcase yourself and be on national television and it's you just got to look at the positives and everything and look at how each situation can be a blessing and I think there's definitely certain ways that this can be absolutely <clears throat> and I know you entered the transfer portal again after your great performance in the New Orleans Bowl when you had nearly 500 yards passing in that game. What led you to staying at Western Kentucky? Yeah, you know, I just I entered the portal because I had heard, you know, it's whatever you know, whatever people think they know about tampering, uh, you probably know about 10 percent of what's going on in college football because tampering is out of control right now in college football. I believe that. And and ultimately, I was hearing things, and, you know, I felt I owed it to myself to at least listen to what these people have to say because I couldn't talk to people directly until I was in the portal. And, you know, I felt like if a coach is going to listen to job offers, I should be able to listen to what people are having to say. And mm-hmm. ultimately, I wasn't in the portal long because, you know, I believed in what Coach Helton is doing here at Western. I believe in what our offense can provide. Uh, obviously at the time I, I felt that our, our offense coordinator was going to be back and that obviously affected the decision but you know Coach Hollinshead's come in and done a great job at offensive coordinator and has solidified my belief in what this offense can do next year and what we can be and ultimately I believe in, in what we have going on at Western I believe in, in Western you know the, the athletics program at a whole what Todd Stewart's doing as the athletic director and felt that really this is where I needed to be and there wasn't a better spot for me personally to be playing college football and decided that this was without a doubt the best the the spot that you know the Lord had intended for me to spend my last two years absolutely what's it like as a student athlete uh, now having to manage with NIL and the transfer portal and the like yeah you know it's it's crazy because, you know, I mean, money money doesn't drive me personally, and it's never been a deciding factor in my life. But, you know, obviously I appreciate being taken care of, and I think anybody appreciates being taken care of for hard work that they put, that they do. And so I've definitely appreciated everything NIL has been able to do in my career and been more than thankful and, and blessed with, this, with how it's affected my career. But... You know, it's a slippery slope because then you find guys who are only playing for football, are only playing for money, rather, and then it affects, you know, the kind of effort they put on the field, you know, because if you're not really truly in love with this game, it's hard to give this game 100% of your effort. And, you know, it, you got to keep locker rooms happy because certain guys are getting paid more than others. And, you know, certain guys are entering the portal just because they feel they can get paid more at another place where maybe, you know, their situation at where they're at is still a better situation. And, Personally, that's what happened for me. You know, I could have got paid a lot more at other places, just full transparency. But my situation at Western outweighed how much I could get paid. And even though I'm still, you know, thankful for the Red Towel Trust and what we have going on at Western, because because I am more than thankful for everything I've been provided there. But you know, it's it's a weird situation because amateurs are turning into pros, mm-hmm. and you're telling you're telling 18 to 22 year old kids you're handing them a lot of money, and you're saying be responsible and understand why you're getting paid this much money and understand how to handle this money and so ultimately it's it's a slippery slope you gotta be careful to not let this turn into a professional game 
you know, just keep take care of kids, but make sure this doesn't become where kids are negotiating every single year new deals, you know? Right. I, I look at it like when I was in college in 2008, 2009, and just what it is now, I mean, that, it, it's a, almost a completely different thing. Yeah, it's... It's it, and that's what the tampering and everything. It's it's really turned into free agency after the year, and you know a lot of guys from group of fives are transferring up, and you know you see the guys who transfer up from group of five, the power fives getting drafted, but you also see there's a vast majority of guys who transfer up, and power fives are only looking for a little more depth, and you know you could have been a starter at a group of five, and mm-hmm. you could have been you could have been the man, and you could have got a lot more playing time and got noticed by the league, but you were chasing that power five notoriety and money and now you're undrafted so that's my personal take on it everybody's got their own path though and for some guys it's been successful but you know there is a there is a double-edged sword to it absolutely what what does a day look like for you in the off season and then during the season um you know for me personally i'm i i live in the facilities um you know, I, I, you know, a normal, let's say it's a, a Monday, Wednesday, Friday, you know, I have a, I have a lift. I'm not usually too early in there. I have a lift at like 830. Uh, so I'll lift at like 830. Uh, it goes until 930 from about 930 to like 10, 10, 15. I'll spend it in the treatment room, you know, and the training room to get in treatment. Um, and then after that, I'll go up into coach, coach Hollinshead's office and spend time with him from about 1015 to about noon. You know, at which I'll go home and make lunch and be back up in the facilities at about 1, 1.15. Uh, from there, I'll hang out in there until about 2.30 when we finally have our quarterback meeting. Uh, and we'll have our quarterback meeting from about 2.30 to 4. And usually I hang out in, in Coach Hollins' office from about 4 to 5. And that changes with a practice day. If it's a practice day, you know, I'm in there from – we don't got a lift in the morning, so I'll go in there from about 9 to noon go eat lunch, come back at like one thirty, hang out until we go out on the field at three. So, you know, spending a lot of time in coach Drew's office and spending time with him and going over the film and even more than just going over film, you know, just shooting it up in the, in the, in, the, in his office, just cracking up, talking to each other, hanging out, you know, being a sponge and then just having fun with building relationships too. That's the key. No doubt. No doubt. And what I know it's a little early, potentially a little early in the process. But what, what are your what are your thoughts and what are you, the things looking like for you when it comes to potentially playing at the next level? Yeah, you know, I feel like obviously there's an opportunity there. I feel like I've I feel like I've earned it. You know, I feel like I have a, a body of work that's that's substantial. Whether it was my 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 years at West Florida or here at Western, uh, you know, I feel. Obviously, there's going to be bigger names that are going to be getting a lot more attention in the NFL, and you know, there's there's going to be guys who are going to be those super notable people that are going to get posted by every media outlet. And you know, for me, that doesn't really matter. You know, I know that I like to think I'm on the NFL's radar, and you know, I think there's teams out there that believe in what I do. And you know, I've never been the guy that's been voted to be top of any list, and never been the guy that's been everyone's first pick. And so, I love it that way. You know, for me, it's I feel like I put out there another year on the field of, you know, more polished work, running the offense even more smoothly. And I feel like there's no, 
there's no reason I shouldn't get NFL attention and, and hopefully God willing, you know, that's in the cards and in the plan for my life. Absolutely. <clears throat> and I think the number one thing I shouldn't say, I think I know the number one thing that I like about you is that, that you're, you're a brother in Christ, you're a follower of Christ and you use your platform to honor God. And I try to do the same thing with my podcast here. I would just love to hear your testimony and hear about how being a high level college athlete and a Christian, how you pair that together. No, I appreciate that. You know, obviously that is the most important thing in my life. And, you know, I try to keep that the main thing in my life and, you know, being in love with football and loving everything with football, you know, making sure that I don't let football be my God and be the thing that, you know, I, I, base my entire life around and instead of base it around my relationship with my Lord and Savior. You know, it's, you know, I feel like every, every person on this world was put here to do something. And I feel like the Lord gives us all a specific skill set, you know, to, for his, for his glory and for his, for his use. And I feel like my way to show thanks and my way to live out my life through him is by giving, you know, this, this platform and this opportunity as a football player, everything I have, you know, I, uh, I think my way of glorifying him is giving this football thing, everything I have and taking advantage of the skills he's given me and, and working my butt off day in and day out so that I can have that platform to use it, to talk about him and to spread him. And, and, you know, I feel like it's, it's, it's why, you know, with, with him blessing me with these gifts and with him blessing me with this talent, you know, if I don't, take advantage of it and I don't work at it and I don't live my life outwardly expressing him and giving him the glory and everything I do, then it's, it's a disrespect and it's a, it's a sign of a lack of, um, a lack of just thankfulness for being, for receiving what I have in life. And so for me, I try to live out my life every single day with that. And I try to go out there and use every single day to his, to his glory and, and go out there and use this platform for his, for him. And, you know, and so for me, I feel like if I'm, if I'm out there and the lights one day and everybody knows who I am and I can point towards him and, you know, I finally accomplished what he's put me on this, this earth to do. And I really think that the Lord has used this football vessel, uh, for him and in my life. And this is kind of what I was created to do. And so, um, it's up to me to, you know, use that to point it towards him and, and point it away from myself. Amen to that. Uh, last question for you. You have Isaiah 6, 8 pinned to your Twitter profile. What does that verse mean to you? Yeah, you know, that's that's kind of just along the lines of, um, that's kind of along the lines of what I was just saying there. You know, I, I feel like, you know, in the story of David and Goliath, somebody had to be David. Mm-hmm. You know, there was, somebody had to be David and, and, and all this, all the great Bible stories, you know, somebody had to be the, the protagonist in every Bible story. Somebody had to be the one the Lord used. And, you know, I, I sit there every day and I think, how am I going to make the NFL? How am I going to get this, do this, do this? And I, I try to remind myself every day, you know, the Lord's got to use somebody. Why not me? And, you know, for me, it's, it's me falling to my knees and openly saying, Lord, use me. I'm here if you need to use me. Like, if you need to use anyone for your glory, use me. If you need to send anyone out into the world 
and take, you know, some of the negatives that come with being an outspoken Christian and take some of the pressure that comes with it. If you're going to equip anyone for this, for this life to go out there and, and be, and do what not many people can do, you know, let it be me because I, I'm here and I'm here for you. And I want to be that person that you send out in the world to go for you. And so that's really a big deal to me. You know, I feel very strongly about being one of the, being one of the Lord's soldiers in his army and, you know, feeling very strongly about, Hey, somebody's going to have to go do it. Send me, I'm here. I'm ready. I'm ready to lay down everything and take away my own ambition and take away my own glory so I can be sent out for yours. And so that's something I try to remind myself every day, you know, with this football thing, it's very easy to become full of yourself and, and think that you're the man. And I try to remind myself that this isn't for me and, you know, use that as a daily reminder when I do start to get kind of cocky and, and full of myself to not use it that way. It's humbling to hear you say that. Uh, just, I think that's just something that everybody could hear and learn and listen from. So I thank you for sharing that. No, I appreciate it. Yeah. It means, a, it means a lot to me. And, you know, a lot of times I post things like that and, you know, I, it, it's nice to be able to explain the deep, like true meaning mm-hmm. behind certain things that I post. And so on certain things that I, that I, have touched me so yeah i appreciate that you give me that platform to be able to share it absolutely and i appreciate you for joining me today this has been a blast i've really enjoyed talking with you yeah i've I've really enjoyed it too i really appreciate it thank you so much absolutely and i wish you the best moving forward you got great things ahead of you yes sir thank you same to you i appreciate it a lot absolutely and thank you to everybody for turning tuning in and listening to it to us Uh, have a good night god bless